Amen. So good evening, everybody. And welcome to the very first Thrive of 2022. Amen. Um, welcome, everyone that is in the auditorium here. And thank you for coming. And um, welcome, everyone joining us online. Today, we are beginning a study in the book of Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles is um, it's an amazing book that is central to the birth of, of the Church of Jesus Christ, and it's also central to the understanding of, of the workings of God through his church by his Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a huge part of Acts of the Apostles, of course, for obvious reasons, because um, like someone said, that the book should actually be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. So we are going to um, look at chapter one of Acts of the Apostles, and um, today, I'm, by God's grace, going to lay a foundation for the whole series. So we are going to be looking at a lot of the structure, how it is arranged, what to expect, you know, how the book progressed, you know, and, and all that. So I'm going to start by reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, from verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So we see the first occurrence of the Holy Spirit here and um, um, the book of Acts has about 56 times the Holy Spirit was mentioned. Now, in my first book, I told you, O Theophilus, so which first book is this? This is the book of Luke. So the same writer of the book of Luke wrote the book of Acts of the Apostles is Luke the physician, as we are going to see as we proceed. Verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with 
the Holy Spirit. So in just these first five verses, we've seen Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, as the time come for you to free Israel from and restore our kingdom, he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So like the apostles, many times we preoccupy ourselves with things that are too big for us. They were um, interested in when the kingdom will be re- the kingdom of God will be restored on earth when um, God will set Israel free as it were. And Jesus said to them, hmm, that is not your business. Your own business is, is this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will preach the gospel. So your preoccupation is the gospel, not the timing of things that are beyond you, Jesus says to them. Praise the Lord. Verse 9. After saying this, it was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. While they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. God is interested in attendance. Praise God. <laughs> As we see here. Um, son of James. 14, thank you. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers 
of Jesus. And that's very significant, but not for today. During this time, when about 120 believers were gathered in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treasury. Feeling falling at first there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name Akel Dama, which means field of blood. Verse 20. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, let his home be desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now, we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men <laughs> who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Basabas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, Oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in his ministry, for he has deserted us and God and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in the mighty name of Jesus. So it is important as, as believers that we actually study the Bible. Many times, what we look for, believers, that is, is we look for nuggets. We, need, we look for just one verse, which is okay, because it's still the word of God. But you see, we are more rooted when we do a proper study of the word of God. And when the word of God dwells in us richly, then we really can be successful and limitless. Praise the name of the Lord. So the author of the book of Luke, or sorry, of the book of Acts of the Apostle is Dr. Luke. He was a physician and missionary companion of Paul, the apostle. Same author as the book of Gospel 
of Luke. Now, the Gospel of Luke tells us how God fulfilled his plan for salvation through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. About, it was all about salvation. While the book of Acts of Apostles tell us how Christians lived out this salvation. So it is one thing to embrace God's salvation. It is another thing to live out this salvation on a daily basis. The book of Acts actually lays that right in front of us from the early believers. So together, that is the gospel of Luke and the Acts of Apostles, interestingly, account for 27.5% of the New Testament. And by volume, the largest contribution attributed to a single author. So Luke wrote more of the New Testament than Paul. Many times, we say Paul wrote <laughs> you know, uh, more than half of the New Testament by books, correct. By number of books, yes. But by volume of what was written, Luke dwarfed the work of Paul. Praise the name of the Lord. So the book of the Acts of Apostles is an historical book. It's an historical account describing the development of the early church from the ascension of Christ, when Christ went to heaven, up until when Paul was arrested in Rome. So from the ascension of Christ to the ordeal of Paul in Rome, written about 80 AD. Praise God. So it tells us the events of the early church leaders and highlighted the work of the Holy Spirit. So the, the early church leaders, the apostles, if you will, their work was chronicled. And by chronicling the works of the apostles, it was showing us the workings of the Holy Spirit. And that is so important because there is no work that any man can do for God that can endure if it is not empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that gives life to any work that anyone can do for God. So from a structural standpoint, from a structural standpoint, the book of Acts of the Apostles is broken down into, if you look at it from um, um, text, textual arrangement into three main sections, the transition from the gospel to the church, the Jewish church, the formation of the Jewish church. And, and it's important to say the Jewish church because everyone in that church were Jews. So the transition was from Acts 1, 
to the end, which is what we are um, dwelling on today, then the Jewish church began from Acts 2 at Pentecost and went on to Acts 12. And we're going to see all those details later on. Then the Gentile church moved from Acts 13 to 28. Now, there was a man called Cornelius, and that was a transition between the Jewish church and the Gentile church. So God said to Peter um, in a vision, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, these are unclean. I, I, I've never eaten anything unclean. And, and God said to Peter, no, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And Peter reluctantly went to the house of Cornelius, who was the, um, a Gentile. And through that, the door opened, basically, to Gentiles. In Acts 1.8, And this is um, the text we talked about earlier on. Jesus speaking says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the, the, the reason many times Christ, a Christian works are, is devoid of life and of vitality and, and people are, you know, say things like, or being a Christian is boring or something like that. It's, it's, it's because folks haven't come in contact with the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. It is impossible to come in contact with the Holy Spirit and, and remain the same. Have you noticed that many times, you know, some people, it's very difficult to talk about Jesus. You want to preach the gospel you know your friends, you know, are going to be in trouble if, 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 if they meet with their maker. But you want to open your mouth and, and you count up to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ah, nothing comes out. You know, you count ten to one. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. You open your mouth, nothing comes out. You know, it's either... You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit or you need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. Remember Peter, this same Peter that could not stand before a maid when he was accused and confronted that you are a follower of Jesus. He denied it. He denied Jesus three times. The cock crowed. This same Peter stood in front of thousands of people after, which we are going to see in chapter 2 next week, after he received the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. This same Peter, if you've been a leader of a house fellowship or any kind of work for God, you realize that, you know, when the Holy Spirit is, you know, in free flow, it's easy for you to make an altar call and people will respond. Nobody can save a soul. You know that. It is only the Holy Spirit that makes people give their life to Jesus. So when 
you see altar calls being made, and people's hearts are responding. There's only one person that is at work, and it's who? The Holy Spirit. When altar calls are made, and it appears that there's a struggle, it's the same thing. Is it that there are no, um, um, everybody there is a believer? It's possible. Or we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's important that any work, and we all here, I mean, are ministers, you know, most of us are, you know, we are serving in one capacity or the other. Any work that is being done for God must be done by the power of the Holy Spirit for it to endure. Must be done by the power of who? The Holy Spirit. So he, 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 um, he, he whetted the appetite here, that is Jesus, by saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Imagine, this were fearful guys that were hiding, they were hiding behind closed doors. Jesus had to come through the wall to enter, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and Jesus is saying to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How do you think they felt? Excited. We are going to be powerful. And that's how to feel when you desire the Holy Spirit. Excited. It says, and you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So telling people about Jesus becomes easy. Telling people about Jesus becomes second nature. Telling people about Jesus becomes a part of your life. If you're baptizing the Holy Spirit and telling people about Jesus is not a part of your life, you need to go to God today and tell him, I want telling people about Jesus a part and parcel of my life. Then the Holy Spirit will begin to do his work. Now, let's progress. Now, Jesus said to them, you'll be my witnesses from Jerusalem throughout Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, for that to make sense to us, it's like Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses in Lekki, then to Ikoyi, then to mainland, then to Abuja, then to the ends of the world. That makes sense, right? So we see that geographically, from the epicenter, which was Jerusalem, there was the distance kept increasing. The distance kept increasing. And if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus' focus towards the end of his ministry was Jerusalem. Jesus had Jerusalem as his destination. By the time we get to Acts 26, Paul had Rome as his destination. Paul was fixated on Rome the same way Jesus was fixated on Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the epicenter of where it all started. Rome, at the time, was 
the seat of, 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 I mean, of the whole world, if you will. Rome ruled the world back then. So when the gospel got to Rome, the, the, when the gospel gets to Rome, the gospel will get to the ends of the, ends of the earth. So Jesus had Jerusalem as his destination, but Paul had Rome as his destination. In Luke 9.51, Luke 9.51, the word of God says that as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus, that was where he was going to be planted and buried, as it were, and he would resurrect from Jerusalem. Now, when we get to Acts 19, 21, Acts 19, 21, it says, Afterwards, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia, which is, I think, Turkey today, before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. And, and that was where, you know, the book of Acts ended. So we see that Jesus' prophecy of starting from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth literally happened right in that book of Acts. What we are experiencing today is actually an impact of the ends of the earth. It's an impact of the ends of the earth. So, so Acts of the Apostles lays out the geographic movement from Jerusalem, the center of God's covenant people, the Jews, to Rome, the center of the rest of the world. The center of the rest of the world. So, if you see this graphic, I'm going to put up the graphic, and that explains this um, better. This is taking so long. The summaries, were they coming up? They were coming up, okay. So, um, so, so we see here that the advancement of the church started from Jerusalem. So when the church was, ex- was, was established in Jerusalem, the first expansion wave in the first seven chapters happened. Then it enlarged to Judea and Samaria. We're going to see more detailed breakdown, you know, after now, you know. That was the second wave in Acts 8 to 12. Chapters, Acts chapter 8 to 12. Chapter 8 to 12. Then the third expansion wave occurred in 13 to 28, and that is the expansion to the end of the earth. And since it's the it's, it's, the book is the Acts of the Apostles. If you, if you bring up the next the table, the next graphic, which is a table, we, you see the involvement which apostles were, were at the frontiers of the advancement of the work of God. Every advancement of the work of the kingdom of God is led by an apostle. Every, every advancement. So we see here that um, Peter was the first guy. The Jesus caught, went to meet them fishing, told him, oh God, you know, do you love me more than this? 
this is what you have to do for me. And Peter was the one that pioneered it. Then it, it, as, as it progressed to chapter 3, it was Peter and John. Remember, beautiful gate, you know, silver and gold, I have none. That which I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then we see Stephen, the deacon, that, you know, went and was preaching and was, was stoned. You know, that was the first bit. Then the, the, the second wave, we, we have... The apostles that were prominent there, we, we, we have um, Philip was prominent, Barnabas was prominent, you know, Barnabas, son of consolation. We're going to see all that as we go on. Um, it's a pretty, very exciting study. Then Peter, then Saul of Tarsus became Apostle Paul. And it was as if the button was handed over to, <laughs> to Paul. So the third wave the apostles the, that performed the acts where Paul, along with Barnabas, they fell out, you know, on John Mark. It became Paul alone, but Silas was there, Timothy was there, you know, and, and, and on and on and on. And those details, you know, are up there. And you can, I mean, take a picture for your reference. So we see that the work of the kingdom did not start with us. And if Jesus tarries, will not end with us. The work of the kingdom advances when one generation hands over the baton to the next generation. And Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, before he comes back, he says, somewhere in Matthew, that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to every tribe and every tongue on earth. Then he will come back. So while the ends of the earth has been activated in Rome, the gospel is yet to get to every corner of the world. So every church has an assignment to take the gospel to starting with their community. Every church has that assignment. But some churches have a further assignment to go beyond their Jerusalem to take the, the gospel and plant churches in their Samarias. Yet some churches have a further assignment to go before, um, to go beyond Samaria to, where's the next place? Come on. So the Judea before Samaria, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the Judea, then Samaria. Because I knew Samaria after the end of the world. Then from Judea, Samaria, then from, from Samaria to the ends of the world, some churches actually have that mandate to go beyond their community, their Jerusalem, to their Judea, to their Samaria, to the ends of the world. 
And as God would have it in his gracious plan, God's favorite house is one of such churches. Praise the name of the Lord. And to whom much is given, much is expected. God will not grade us with a church that is given a grace to just stay in Jerusalem, but impact Jerusalem. And God will not grade a church that, the church that is, is given to just impact Jerusalem, they will be graded based on Jerusalem. God will not grade a church that has Jerusalem and Judea. Like a church that has the mandate of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And likewise, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the, of the earth. So from, from the get-go, we explained and we, we shared our vision to be filled with the life of Christ Jesus and released it to our destinies, taking the world for him. You know, <laughs> you know? And while we were sharing that vision, We didn't even know where we were going to meet next Sunday, for instance. We are going from venue to venue. We were, you know, and it looks ridiculous. Okay, just stay in your Jerusalem and enjoy. I do a good church and be happy. But, you know, by the grace of God, today, God is taking us to the ends of the earth. You know, we are in Cape Town, we are in Canada, we are in Dallas, we are in Costa Rica. And should I give you a secret? We are about to enter Cuba. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's right in front of us. It's coming to pass. Right in front of us. And it, it's, it, it needs to happen. Because we, if you look at the big, large scheme of things, we are actually just fulfilling a, a little slice of, of, of the big thing. The other churches doing their own thing, that God has called them to do their own thing. But God will hold us accountable for the one he has released to us. And the one he has called us to. So, in verse 9 of Acts 1, it says, after saying this, he was taken up into the clouds while they were watching, you know, and these men said something in verse 11. It says, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring to heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven by, but someday he will return from heaven. In the same way. You saw him go. Someday Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to ask you and I, how did you further my mission on earth? You're in God's favorite house. What part did you play? What part did you play in ensuring that the church fulfills its mandate on earth? What part did you play? Did you help? Did you discourage? Did you try to destabilize? Did you try to uphold? Were you in the forefront of the battle? Were you, I mean, were you, some people have said to me, that pastor, come and send me to Afghanistan. I'm ready to go. U.S. is afraid of Afghanistan. I am not. G- 
Jesus will come back. The same way he went. So as we try to land this introduction to this, um, to the book of Acts, by and large, we've seen the structure, we've seen what's about, we've seen how the early church is going to be formed, we've seen the works of the Holy Spirit, we've seen the expectation of the Lord, we see how the kingdom of God must expand through us. Now, the, the, the question is, who are the apostles? Who are apostles? Acts of the apostles. Who is an apostle? The word apostle simply means he who is sent or an emissary. So, the purpose of such sending is usually to convey a message. So, an apostle is just a messenger. You can call him an ambassador. You can call him, at the end of the day, he has a message from a kingdom. That is who he is. So, an apostle is sent to deliver or spread those teachings to others. You know, I like a definition by some Dr. David Canistrasi that says, an apostle is one who is called and sent by Christ to have the spiritual authority, character, gifts, and abilities to successfully reach and establish people in kingdom truth and order, especially through founding and overseeing local churches. So primarily, an apostle is someone that is graced to expand the frontiers of the kingdom of God and the order of God primarily through the tool of founding and overseeing local churches. That's an apostle. Praise God. I also know that there are apostles that are not um, the, op the operations are not like this. You know, so this definition is really not complete. There are apostles whose operations are not like this. There are apostles that, um, in instead of pioneering and overseeing local churches, you know, they pioneer and they are custodians of different waves of truth. For instance, there was a time in the church, by church, Capital C Church, I mean globally, that it was the wave of truth that was sweeping through the church was holiness. And there were apostles that had deep revelation of the holiness of God and the holiness of the believer. Ian Bounds, D.L. Moody, 
I can go on and on. And those guys preach holiness. There was this guy that he only read the sermon. Once he finished reading his sermon, he doesn't preach or anything. He writes the sermon, he reads it. Once he finished reading, everybody's crying. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's crying. Everybody's repenting of their sins. You know? You know? So, and some of them are itinerant. They don't, they don't have churches, but they go from place to place to minister. Then, of course, I'm not, not in any order particularly. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't structure that. But we, we, we now have um, apostles of healing, the Kenneth Egins of this world. You know, Kenneth Egin moved away from pastoring. You know, he, 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 he was a custodian of the truth of divine health and faith. Then, of course, that better the faith movement. Then, faith, we now had prosperity, you know, um, movement. Some people, they have very unique insight to prosperity. Hate them or love them. They have it. <laughs> then, some, it's power, you know. So, you know, you know, anointing, you know, and on and on. They are apostles. Does that make sense? Praise God. So, in, in, in the order of things, the apostles, interestingly, I, um, for some reason, it pleased God to, to, to put a hierarchy to it. I don't know why, but it did. Um, in Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, before you even get to the hierarchy, Okay, let's do the hierarchy first. So, guys, I'm going to come back to this Galatians 1, 1 scripture. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, And in the church of God, in the church, God has appointed first of all. Everybody say first of all. First of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then, workers of miracles. And five, those with gifts of healing. Then helps, then administration, and various tongues. Now, you know, many times when we see workers of miracles, you know, <laughs> we want to make them first, but hey, apparently not, you know. Ephesians 4 11. Now, broke it down to the, what we know as ministry gifts, you know, arranged it rather as into ministry gifts. And it says, now these are the gifts Christ. Gave to the church the apostles, plural, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. The body of Christ. So, the responsibility of this apostle, prophets, pastors, teachers, you know, is to evangelists, pastors, teachers, is to equip God's people for the work of the ministry. So, who should be in ministry? We should be doing ministry. We should be doing God's work in ministry. Who? Is it the pastors, apostles, teachers? No. The work of the ministry is to be done by the people. So what is the work of apostle, 
prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. To equip the people, to train them, to empower them, to impact them, and, you know, let the people do the job. You know what has happened? You know, mostly, we are trying to reverse that in God's prophet house. I mean, it's, 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 it's a challenge, you know, but God will help us in Jesus' name. So, mostly, what happens is that the people will, will be like, oh, yeah, teach me, teach me. Oh, show me, show me. Powerful word, powerful word. Okay, get up and do something. Uh, no. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to do anything. But you have been taught for 10 years. Now, not everybody should be a pastor. But there are works of ministry that are waiting to be done by people that are sitting in pews on chairs, as our case is. Praise the name of the Lord. So, you have been called to ministry. Everyone say, I have been called to ministry. So, it's not pastor. <laughs> Some people don't even like what to say. It. <laughs> it's not pastor. Alone, that be called to ministry. Of course, that's ministry. But the people you have been called to ministry. The work of the pastors is to train you for the work that God has called you to do. More on that by God's grace later. Now, must apostles be eyewitnesses of, of Christ? So. And that has been some very good, well-meaning Christians have messed, mixed these things up. So I've heard people say, very great people, say things like, um, the apostles, there are no apostles in our time. <laughs> and I laugh, you know. There are no apostles in our time. That the apostles were just disciples of Jesus and when they all died, because they needed to be. And they, they quote Peter um, erroneously here, by, because it says that we should choose one that was an eyewitness with us from the beginning. So they said, because Peter said the person must be an eyewitness from the beginning, um, that is the criteria, that is the number one criteria for an apostle, wrong. That was, Peter had the authority to, to do that because he was, the, he was the leader of the church. He could say, this is the criteria I want. But that doesn't mean that is God's criteria ultimately. And by the way, I mean, it's arguable whether Peter jumped the gun. Some said Peter should have waited till the Holy Spirit came. After all, Jesus said a few days. Why did Peter have to get up and, and appoint another apostle? God just ignored that act. And God seemed to have his own apostles down the line. Stephen was an apostle. Paul, obviously. Apostle Paul, we know him, right? But he was not an eyewitness. He was not with them from the beginning. And Paul would say in Galatians 1.1 that this letter is from Paul. Galatians 1.1. You see this. This letter is from Paul. An apostle of who? Of Jesus Christ. Now, he said, let me tell all of you. 
Let me just love Paul. Let me, let me tell all of you. My apostleship was not granted to me by, by men. For I was appointed by who? By Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's not only Jesus also. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. It's good to know who you are, isn't it? You know, many times I read, I laugh. You know, he says, "My apostle Paul, because apostle was not a man. Paul confronted Peter. Did you know that? Because Peter was being hypocritical. When it was, Peter knew the truth because God revealed it to him. So when Peter is among the, the Gentiles, oh, he'll be preaching the, the, the gospel of grace. He'll be preaching the truth. When Jews come, Peter will keep quiet. You won't see anything. Ah, Paul, I'll say, ah, God, you, why are you keeping quiet? <laughs> you know, because he, he, God needed to bring out an order that was different and, and um, Paul was available. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so we, we learned this on, in um, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 1, Acts 1, 1. And Acts 1, 1 says, my first book, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to what? To do and to teach. The apostle is first a doer before he is a teacher. Jesus is first a doer before he is a teacher. Check every translation. This is how it is rendered. Many times we want to teach things we are not doing. Many times we say a truth in the Bible and we say, ah, this is powerful. You want to teach it. But you, you've not experienced that level of power. Of, of the, that word has not become flesh in you. You have not worked it. So you are trying to preach it. It's just acknowledge. To really have an impact, you must begin to do the things you know first before you begin to teach. Do we have any questions? <laughs> Hallelujah. And we need to land. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Pastor Richard. Thank you, IOT. Um, we need to learn the teaching. I have, I have many things to say. <laughs> I just looked at the time and I'm like, eh? But you guys, I mean, uh, I want to miss me teaching time so I can take some more time. I'm kind of Okay, fine. <laughs> yes. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Um, you have answered the first, I have three questions. Okay. You've answered the first part of the first question which is um, why, their, why was their selection limited only to the people that were witnesses for Jesus? And then um, 
We've been taught to come to God without options. But we see that they went, presented options. So why, why, why did you do that? Okay, so, so again, it's one of those things that I, I, I kept myself from, from entering into because of time. It is, like I said, it's arguable that Peter jumped the gun. He should have allowed the Holy Spirit make the selection. He was throwing a fleece before God. So, uh, two brothers are smiling at me. God, which one is my husband? Gudu, 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 gudu. Bah! You know? You pick one. What if it's none of the two? What's none of the two? You just limited yourself in, in there. So, so, but if you go further, I think in Acts 13, the Bible says that while they were ministering to the Lord, that the Holy Ghost said, separate to me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work, apostolic work I have for them. The Holy Spirit is the one that chooses who is to be an apostle, who is to do what. It's not by kalokalo. But Peter didn't know better, though, because he didn't have the Holy Ghost at the time. He, just, he, was, he was just a natural leader. And leaders take initiative. So he just took initiative. You know? But when the work is placed, the one he chose and the one the Holy Ghost chose, which... <laughs> I mean, I've heard Matthias... <laughs> after this, after that account, nobody heard about Matthias anymore. So, does that answer your question? Okay, number three. Okay, my second question is, um, do we assume that because we have the Holy Spirit, then everything, all our work flows from him? Or is there a practical, deliberate way we should bring him in so that our strings flow from him? Okay, yeah, so, I mean, you can't assume that because you have the Holy Spirit, everything will flow from him because you have a will. You have a will. Um, Pastor, Pastor Richard, okay, there's someone there already. You have a will. So the will of man is a strong force. God will not override the will of man most of the time. So, yes, you have to consciously bring your will. Even Jesus in Gethsemane, needed to say, Ah, this one is too much. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So to be at that point where we are consistently submitted to the will of the Father is to be at that point where we are consistently used by the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Yes, Pastor. Um, I, I especially like that um, illustration about um, the Kalu Kalu because I've always struggled with that part of the scripture. <laughs> so it makes my question even lighter because I was, going to, I was thinking if uh, Paul chose, um, pardon me, Peter chose Matthias for an apostolic work when we just learned now that, I mean, the, the, the people in leadership are to equip the people um, in ministry to do ministry work, right? So it brings me to the question, how... Do we know the people to be equipped for ministry work? I mean, 
I, 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 are they certain shows or signs that uh, come up for you to know that this person is ready for um, ministry work so that you can commission them? Because I'm thinking maybe Peter might have seen Matthias. Are these guys have you served food? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah something like that. Okay, um, both for leadership and for ministry work, you know. And the, the model is what we have in scriptures, which is from the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit has a mind of his own. It's God. There was a time they wanted to go to, uh, was it Macedonia? And it's restricted them, that they shouldn't go, you know. So, we should seek God before we appoint anyone into ministry, any kind of ministry. You know, we should allow the Holy Spirit lead us before we appoint anyone. You know, however, that's why you can almost hear the pain of Jesus when, after praying all night, Jesus, God Himself in human form prayed all night, chose 12 people, and one of them, he still, he still chose Judas. He still managed to choose Judas. So when Jesus said, I chose you 12, and one of you is a devil, the pain in his voice, I, 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 I could, before I used to read that thing, it didn't make sense to me, but recently when I read it, <laughs> I, I could feel that pain in Jesus' voice. So yes, we should always seek the direction of the Holy Spirit before we appoint anybody or commission anybody. We shouldn't be in a hurry. Lay hands suddenly. Don't lay hands suddenly on any man so you are not a partaker. Paul would say to Timothy. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Is there any other hand so that we know how to manage the time? So, that's the final one. Okay, then there's, there's a hand right behind you. Okay, so you and him, and we are done. Yes. Okay, so um, so we talk, uh, you talk about receiving, when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, it should be easier for us to teach and preach the gospel. Correct. Right, so, I mean, so I guess my question is, I mean, you've kind of answered this already, so it's a kind of double decker kind of question. Why is it so hard for people to still then preach the gospel? That's one, two. Then what is the correct way to preach the gospel? I think a lot of people have arguments on how to do it. Okay, write books, but then are these the right kind of books? Okay, do um, YouTube videos, but these YouTube videos are right, these ones are wrong. Okay, one pastor sounds crazy, one pastor sounds great. Um, so which way is the right, which one is the right way, if there is a right way, and how do we kind of um, choose the right people to listen to? Yeah. Okay, your first question, I mean, is clearer. And the second one, I may need more clarity, but let me say, let me start with the first one, which is, you know, there's no, there's no right way, there's no wrong way. You know, the problem comes when we try to stereotype things, you know, and the fact that a content is not appealing to one audience doesn't mean <laughs> it's not appealing to another set of people. Nobody, nobody can be universally accepted. Do you know, even Jesus is not universally accepted. <laughs> Jesus himself 
they called him a demon. They called him Beelzebub. They say, you, Ashawa is kissing your leg. And you don't know that this girl is a prostitute. I mean, also, it was not accepted by everybody. So that cannot be a, a, a barometer. But the key thing is to be, um, to be led of God and to, in our, from different generations have different, different bent. There's a generation when cold call works. You can knock on someone's door and say, I bring you greetings in the name of Jesus. In Dallas, where I stay, if you do that, you can hear a gunshot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because everybody has a gun. So you can't just walk up to somebody's and bang on their door. If they don't answer, you'll be going. <laughs> so we can't preach like that. But we can get to them. We got to them. So for, for instance, we did, we did uh, like um, a um, free clothes, women clothes giveaway and all that stuff. And the car park of the church was filled. filled. They came out from their houses to pick new clothes. Yeah, everybody liked new things. <laughs> so in that, and one guy gave his life to Jesus. You know, a, a black American to the number of People that came into the church's car park, it was maybe, maybe let's say 100 people came in. Only one person gave that. And he was in church that Sunday, following Sunday. So, every content, context has a method. So, we cannot say, oh, this has worked in Lagos, it must work in, it must work in, in, in Costa Rica. Nope. What language do they speak? What, what makes sense to them? What, what shows love to them? You know, I mean, so yeah. So the second one is who do we listen to? I don't, I don't quite understand that. I've okay, answered both questions, I've answered both questions. Yeah. okay, okay, great. So thank you. Um, yes, sir. Okay, uh, thank you, Pastor. I just wanted you to share more light on a follow up on the question from Pastor. Pastor Richard asked. Sorry, before you ask, I, I, I'm told that, sorry, I forgot the guys online, that are questions from online, right? Um, okay, so questions from online, let's keep them coming. So I'm going to answer them after, yes. Okay, from a follow-up on the question that Pastor Richard asked. Yes. Uh, the Ephesians that talked about uh, uh, the ministry, or uh, the purpose of the five-calling ministry. Yeah. To build and for the, to do the work of the ministry. To equip the saints to do the work of the, the ministry. Work of the ministry. Correct. And yeah. what happened in Acts of the Apostles? So what is the difference between equipping for the work of the ministry and calling into the work, into the fivefold ministry? Is there a difference there? Yes, there is. I mean, that's, that's a good question. So um, let's say... You send someone out for visitation. That is equipping the person for the work of ministry. You see, this is visitation department. You join, you join, you join. And you teach them and equip them. And after service, they go, they follow up on people that give their life to Jesus, you know, and all that. They pray with them, you know, that's equipping, right? Then maybe they are praying with someone that gives their life to Jesus 
and the person started manifesting, a demon spirit started manifesting. I'm the queen of Sheba. Yadi, 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 yadi. You know? <laughs> so it's the level of their equipping. You know, if they are well equipped, of course, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, out. If they are not equipped, they say, ah, in the name of Jesus, that the one that Pastor K, Pastor Sote was preaching on Sunday, come out. You know, there will be a problem there. You know? <laughs> so that's why a lot of people, I say, oh, my pastor said, my pastor said, my pastor. it doesn't make sense. Can you, what did the word of God say to you? It's the pastor should equip you to know God for yourself. The pastor should not equip you to, to, to say what they are saying that is not real to you. So, yes, that is equipping, you know. Um, to be called into an office, a ministerial office, is, is, is totally different. So, the way I've seen it work, of course, I'm not saying it must be that way, is many times people volunteer. Volunteer, me by, by that I mean make themselves available for the work of ministry. Oh, I mean resource. I'm selling books. That book is changing people's lives. That's ministry. I'm in um, Ciroc. I'm teaching children. Those children... One of them will become the president tomorrow. You know, we become the next Billy Graham or what have you. You are, it's ministry. However, while doing that, God may say, that person is a prophet. And call the person to the office of a prophet. They were just worshiping when God called and Barnabas and, and send them on that mission, on that apostolic journey. But they were there, useful. So people are sitting and waiting for their own calling. It, it doesn't work like that. You know, you, the one they've put in your hands, what have you done? It is while being busy, that's, that's, that's what I've seen work, while being busy at serving and making yourself available, that God actually molds you into what he wants. I mean, for the longest time, you know, a man came to me, I mean, people have come to me many times, and they have said to me, oh, you're a prophet. <laughs> oh, ah, you're such a powerful prophet. I say, I'm not a prophet. If I, a man was angry, when I said, the man said, you are a prophet. I say, okay, I'm not a prophet. Say you are a prophet. See what you said. See what happened in my life. See what you said. I said, I have a prophetic gift. To have a prophetic gift is, is not the same as being called into an office of a prophet. We know prophets when we see them. I don't even look like one. <laughs> I'm not a prophet. Hey, but you're even more accurate than all these prophets. Well, that is for God, it's not for me. I knew I'm an apostle. I pastored for 15 years before I, you know, really began the apostolic work. I was doing it on the side, but if you will. But before I announced to you guys, right, even when I announced, I didn't even know where I was going. Dallas had not opened up. I did nothing. I just said, well, I, this is what God is saying to me. That, but I had known a long time ago that I'm, a, I'm an apostle. But I pastored, pastored, I was a teacher, taught, taught, taught. Sunday school taught um, what's, what's the thing that they do 
in the mornings, you know. Taught us fellowship, all different things. But when the time came, then, then I have people that will say, I'm an apostle. They will, I refuse to do any other thing. I said, okay, okay, go and pack cars. Son, I said, did you not hear me say I'm a prophet? <laughs> did you not hear that I said I'm a prophet? I said I should go and pack cars. I should be prophesying to cars. He didn't say that, he didn't say that, but I'm adding that one. But, <laughs> but, but the point is, what if God wanted you to be prophesying to cars first? What if? You know? So, I don't know if I'm asking your question, I'm, I'm deviating. You're good, okay. Yeah, so, pretty much that's how it works. You have a question? The follow-up question. Online question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, the first question says, how do we balance the calling out of Paul by Peter? The calling out of Paul by Peter. Sorry, Peter by Paul and respect for the order of authority? That's a, that's a beautiful question. Um, I think that happened in Ephesians. I think uh, in Acts, in Acts of the Apostles, it was referenced in Corinthians also. I will bring the scriptures together, maybe, you know, and, 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 and give you to read. However, while Paul came to the scene much later than Peter, they were like contemporaries. Do you understand? So, let's say a new church starts down the road. The pastor, we have been here for quite some time, right? The pastor, God has called him. It doesn't mean I'm a senior. <laughs> you do understand, you know? So, we are contemporaries. So, that was how Peter and Paul related. More so because in every generation, God does a strange work like that, that he did it with Paul. He finds someone that doesn't have a spiritual father and says, I am the one that I'm calling you. Timothy cannot do that to Paul. Do you understand? Okay, I'm talking to you as if you are the one asking question. Do you understand? <laughs> you know, Timothy cannot do that to Paul. And Paul, I'm sorry, I'm Peter cannot do that to James. Even though Peter was the apostle, James was the head of the church in Jerusalem. So as long as Peter was in Jerusalem, Peter would differ to James. Even though to start that mission, who did Jesus give the leadership? Peter. So, Paul was firm, but he was also was respectful. And I think it's somewhere in Peter, it was first or second Peter. Peter was saying concerning Paul that, Brother Paul, 
has deep revelations uh, that many people don't understand. You know that scripture, right? That, <laughs> that some people, they went to copy him. They shipwrecked their faith. He had respect. For, and we don't see a lot of that these days, you know, we, because one person, you know, is a big man, you know, he talks down on everybody else, even though he shouldn't, you know. So, yeah. I hope that answers your question. If it does, just let us know on the chat room. If it doesn't, you can ask a follow-up question. Go ahead. Tim from YouTube says, does it suffice to say Peter, though declared as the rock and commissioned before Paul, they became contemporaries in the order of spiritual hierarchy? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so that's, I just answered that question even before, <laughs> before it came. So, so that's it. Um, thank you guys for um, hanging with us. Fasting your seatbelts, the book of Acts of the Apostles. It's life-changing. Completely life-changing. Um... But let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. We'd like to give you an opportunity. If you are here, if you are, if you are online, if you don't know Jesus, you, you, you don't have a relationship with God, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to pray with you. If you are in the auditorium, all I need you to do is just put up that hand over your head. Then you can put it down back. That's all I need. If you are online also, you can put up that hand and put it down back. Anybody here? That is me, Pastor. Put up the hand. I'm putting it down back. And we'll pray together. Pray together in a bit. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your mercy over us. Thank you for your word that you have spoken to us. Accept our thanks in the name of Jesus. Lord, we commit the words we've heard today. Empower us with your word. Fill us with your life, my Father. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Okay, so as we said on Sunday... God's favorite house. Who are we? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Thank you.